It's beautiful to see a number of you that I don't know. I haven't been here maybe in a couple months. And even in a couple months, uh, there are there's new faces here. Um, and we want to encourage you, if you haven't already done so, to fill out this little card. It's maybe in one of the pockets in front of you. So you can use that and drop it into the box in the back where it says, Welcome to Christ Church. Just, just take that. What that does is allows the church to know that you're a part and to communicate properly, to pray for you. There's a place for a prayer request and they just get to know you there. And some people don't like to do that. Um, but if, if you feel comfortable doing that, that would be a blessing and that your information is, of course, for doing that. And uh, bless you. So turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. I want to talk to you today. Is anything too hard for the Lord? All right, we're done. Thank you. <laughs> for the benediction, we will. <laughs> uh, that's what we want to convince ourselves. There's nothing too hard for the Lord at all. And Jeremiah says that in 30, Jeremiah 32, 27. It reminds us of the limitless power of God and his ability in our life. There's nothing that's too hard. And today, many of us face challenges in our life. I just, I sent a text to a young man just this last week. And I asked him, I said, what are you feeling right now? Because he was going through a hard time, going through a, a very tough situation in his life. And so I asked him, I said, what, what are you facing? And I gave him a list of things to do. I said, are you, are you hurt, lonely, sad, angry, fearful, shame, guilt, happy? And he said, all of the above. And in the course of our life, all of us go through those. And perhaps at this time, that young man at least was going through one of the hardest things that he's faced. And problems in life are expected. When I greet someone and say, how are you doing? And they say, I'm doing great. And I said, what's wrong? Because <laughs> that's not normal, right? And once we get past that idea that we're supposed to say, I'm doing great, I'm doing wonderful. Like, if, once we get past that, and to some people that's enough, right? The person that you just first meet, perhaps. But in church, in the body of Christ, is it, that what's normal is, it's not normal. That is, your life is going through some tribal. There's health issues, there's financial problems, there's habitual sins, depression, fear broken relationships. Maybe we wonder if we're even worthy of the Lord saving us. All of us are going through something. You realize that all of us are going through something? And once we realize that, we, get, we, get, we can get overwhelmed. And by the way, knowing other people are going through things that are difficult in their life, and they're showing faith, and they're walking by faith. And they're making commitments and intentionalities to obey the Lord and to lean in on Him. To let the Scripture pour into them. Let others pray for them. It isn't that misery loves company. It's that in our miserable life, we know the Lord is still with us. And He never leaves us. And there's nothing 
too hard for the Lord. Even if it seems impossible, there's nothing impossible. And Acts chapter 12 deals with this. It's a, it shows the relationship between God's power and his people's prayers. So we want to look at those things. What issue in your life, you got to think of this, like what issue in your life do you have right now going on? What's happening in your life? Now you don't have to blurt it out. Of course, don't right now. <laughs> blurt it out later. I mean, let Ryan know. <laughs> but to, think, of, think of what am I going through? Have I given up? Is it too overwhelming? Is the Lord in this? And so in Acts chapter 12, God is the main, main player in that story. It's a narrative. It walks us through. And, it'll, and God wants to be the main hero in your story as well, no matter how it turns out. And these 25 verses of Acts 12, the first 25, 15 of them have to do with, with prayer. And so we want to look at those things. So let's take a look at Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 1. And we're just going to read five. We're not going to read all 25. I'm going to read five verses um, to begin with. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. This is God's word. Now, first thing we need to realize, problems, which are, we've just discovered here, perhaps for the first time, problems are normal. And problems drive us to prayer. The very problems that we have, they drive us to prayer. Um, what's going on in your life is a place of prayer. One of the, the deepest times of my life when I was leaning into prayer were difficult situations, things that I was facing, almost devastating, almost exhausting, overwhelming, tear me apart. And I can recall I'm thinking even one right now where I was walking down behind my house on a little trail and praying and not knowing even what to, what to pray for. Just praying scripture and just saying, Lord, if this is your will and what is it and I don't understand and going through that process and he met me there. Prayer, our problems drive us to pray. Now, Herod the king, as they talked about here, in the passage, it refers to Herod Agrippa I. This was the grandson of Herod the Great. Herod the Great was the one who tried to kill the baby Jesus. All males under the age of two, they tried to destroy and remove from them. And so the, these Herods were in control of Judea. But they, they walked in line with the Roman government. And so they weren't popular among the Jews as you can imagine. And so you've got to remember that. This is what's going on. Herod is not popular with the Jews. He's, an, 
there's not some antagonism here, but he doesn't want to leave the Roman authority and Roman power. He doesn't want to move from away from that. He wants to, he wants to tap into that, but he'd like to have popularity with the Jews. So he gets popular. How does he get popular? By killing James. It says he killed James, the brother of John of the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he said, I'm going to go after the trophy, Peter. I am going to, I'm going to get him and put him in. Because if they're happy about James, they got to be really happy about Peter. And so he went after Peter and he arrested Peter and he intended to kill him. But it was the time of unleavened bread. This was just after the Passover. Do you recall the Passover was this very religious time in the Jewish history the Passover, of course, going back to it's a remembrance of when they were released out of the hands of Egypt. And remember, the Passover was the blood was put on the top of the door and on the two sides. And when the death angel came through that, if he saw the blood that was applied to the top and to the two sides, it would pass over that home and no one in there would die. And those that didn't have the death angel took and this was the curse. And so they were remembering this very religious time, this Passover. The unleavened bread was also a holy time. And, and so he couldn't, he couldn't do it during this holy time. He had to wait these seven days. But he grabbed Peter, put him in, and he put soldiers there with him. And he put him in prison. Now, what is it the church did during this time? They arrested Peter, and how did the church respond? In terror, in horror, in just throw their hands up and say, it's over. They took Peter, our leader. Now, Peter was the leader of that church, and he was leading this group. He was the leading apostle, and he was the one who was very influential, and they took him, and they said, well, forget it. He's gone. It's over. I'd work with church planters a lot and where there sometimes where church planters will leave the church for whatever reason, a lot of times the church will fall. That is, it'll just fold. Um, it's not the way it, it's intended to be and it should be, but this is the way of reality. And so when Peter, like, what did they do? Well, what they did was they prayed. And they didn't just pray, but earnest prayer was made to God for Peter. So we will, problems that happen in us, what's going to happen? We are to pray. We're going forward. We pray for health. We pray for financial relief. We pray for relational oneness once again, some family issue, something. And then when the problem is solved, sometimes we go, okay. I'm done with praying. Let's move on. Right? Are you human? That, I, I'll be honest, that's what happens with me. At times, he's like, just earnest prayer. Like, what happened to that earnest prayer? Lord answered it. Let's move on. Come on, life has demands. Their gifts, problems can be a gift to lean us into him. So the church 
They prayed earnestly. That was strenuous. So the same word that when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, it's the same word, is that's how they were praying. I mean, they were just like having a little, okay, just a quick little prayer, like you do before a, a meal, right? You're going like, come on, get with it. Um, I had a friend who used to pray long, long prayers, missionaries, all kinds of stuff. Like the food's getting cold. Come on, let's move on. Um, and that wasn't that kind of prayer. It was earnest prayer. It was lean-in prayer. It was all-night prayer. This is what the church was doing. And which power was more potent? The prison that Peter was in or the prayers? Herod the king of Judea or God the king of the universe? The guards security guards who were standing there over Peter or the sovereign God? Which was more potent? This is the question they had to ask. In 2 Corinthians 1, I think we've got that passage here. I really relate to this. Paul says, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. So as problems came, what happened? For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. You ever been to that point? I've talked to people and they said, we, we didn't even know if we could live. We didn't know if we wanted to live. That's what Paul is saying here. This is a real feeling. Now what happened? How did it happen? Indeed, we felt that we'd received the sentence of death. But, get this. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Sometimes problems, see how this can be a blessing? I got a problem. Good for you. Way to go. Now, what? Because now you're going to say you don't rely on yourselves, but on God, not just a God, but the God who raises Jesus Christ from the dead. Now he goes on, Paul says, he delivered us from such a God, excuse me, a deadly peril and he'll deliver us on him. Notice that. On him, we have set our hope and that he will deliver us again. You must also help us by prayer. Hmm. So Paul is saying, when I'm going through a hard time, help me by praying so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. This is a blessing to the church when something bad happens, that is a, a, a trouble, a trial, a problem, a persecution happens. The church rallies around that. It is the responsibility of all the church to say, we're going to be all praying for this thing. Jeremiah says, call to me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. What? We don't even know what he can do? No. That through the problems, he's going to answer it in such a way you're going to go like, blew me away. I was, I was asking for this, and I got this. The Apostle Paul reiterates that by saying, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Not just above. Exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. He wants to work in our life. So the first thing the church did when they faced this problem was to pray. They didn't form a committee. 
committees. <laughs> Let's not go there. They say that, that a, a camel is a horse that a committee put together. <laughs> they banded together. They did what they couldn't do by themselves that only God could do. And their, by the way, their prayer wasn't just private. They, they prayed together. They prayed together. And we, we're called to pray together. So problems lead us to prayer. Second, peace comes through prayer. Verse 6. Uh, so, excuse me, verse 12. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. Now, here's, here's what's strange. On the night before, okay, as Peter, Peter could count, right, that the sun was in, like day one, day two, unleavened bread. When does it end? When it ends, I'm toast. Herod is going to kill me. I saw him kill James. He's going to kill me. And so he's counting, perhaps putting little marks on the wall, going like, it's day seven. And so the night before, this is what's happened. The night before, what is Peter doing? So there are guards there guarding him 24 hours. He's maximum security. And he's chained to these guards as well. And he's not on like a sleep number. He's on the floor. Chained. Rattles. I can't imagine. I mean, these weren't like high-tech prisons. These were like caves that had doors in front of them and probably there wasn't adequate restroom facilities he's on the floor think when you just think of it he's on the floor how in the world could you sleep at all how could you sleep the night before but he was asleep not only was he asleep but it says the angel came in watch an angel came in the lord and a light shone in the cell what i don't i'm I suppose I'm not as, I'm half, 50% of us are weird. <laughs> the other 50% don't know it, but I can't sleep with lights on. My wife loves a nightlight. I unplug it. I hide them. <laughs> I, I say battery must've run out. Like they're plug-ins. There's no battery. Um, I, you know, I can't handle light. And if any light's on, I'm like, I'm, I'm awake. Like daytime, you're supposed to be, that's what I was. So I can't imagine like a light shone and still, what does it say? The angel had to strike him on the side of the head in order to wake up. Like the night before you're going in, you're sleeping so soundly. And the angel came in. You that have little kids. You know what I'm talking about. Like you're just sleeping and you're dreaming about stuff. And it's a beautiful dream. And all of a sudden you're just like, there's something in my room. 
and it's some kid that's like this close to me. And they're breathing. Honey, honey, I didn't want to wake you. Well, you just did. Can I have a drink of water? There's water next to your bed. Oh, thanks. But you wake up because somebody's near you. Well, now, think of, that's normal nights, right? You parents, like, seeing you shaking your heads. It, that's normal nights. What about the night before you're going to get killed? Are you not like the first time, a noise, you're just like, oh, no, oh, no. But Peter was asleep. I, I love that, that he just, in the midst of all that he was going through, he's asleep that there was peace. And when we're in the hands of the Lord, no matter what we're going through, there's peace. You remember the violent storm that took place with Jesus on the boat and he was asleep and this violent storm's going and the disciples come to him and said, teacher, do you not care that we're going to die? <laughs> and he wakes up and said, oh, you of little faith. I don't, you know, I thought that was pretty, pretty harsh, I thought, because they don't know. We, we know, we know how the story ends, right? We, we've read the whole thing. We, we know how the story ends, but they're in the middle of this boat that's rocking and the storm's coming and they, and Jesus is asleep. And they go like, do you not care? Oh, you have little faith. And he calmed the sea. And he said, peace, be still. So no matter what you're going through, peace is available only through Christ. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Jesus responded to the disciples and asked him, said, well, then how can we be saved? And he said these words, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He didn't say salvation is possible. He said all things are possible, including salvation. All things are possible. Ten years ago, Jeannie went to the hospital with acute renal failure of both kidneys. I'm in the hospital she looks over, I mean, she's, she, that's what they said, acute renal failure. I, I've done funerals for people with acute renal failure. And I'm sitting there, I must have had some look on my face, and she said, you either need to leave the room or get faith. So I left. No, I... <laughs> And, and she's going, it'll be okay. It's, it'll be okay. She's telling me, it'll be okay. And I'm going like, do, do you not understand these three words? Acute renal failure? Apparently not. I didn't say that to her, but that's what went through my mind. Well, that 10 years, she went on prednisone. We, in the middle of all that, we, we moved up to Toronto to do this mission. She's in remission now. The doctor says in Toronto, which is Canadian healthcare. So take it for whatever it's worth. But anyway, we, she said, you're in remission. And so we flew to Denver to go see her dad. On the way to Denver on Air Canada, 
she says, I, I have to go to the restroom. And I get up and I let her to go down to the, because we weren't first class, to go this way. And she goes, I can't make it. We were sitting towards the front. And uh, so I opened the Holy of Holies um, <laughs> screen there. And some uh, flight attendants looking at me go, back there. You, you do not belong here. And, and I went like this. I go, you know, which is the, the sign of, what's that sign of? You're going to be sick, right? I, I didn't know what was wrong with her. And so she makes her way, holding every chair. She, she was that person, right, that grabs the chairs. And, and, and then she got to the end, and there was no chair, and she went down. Well, got to the hospital. They said, don't, do not move, don't go anywhere. On this major treatment of prednisone, 18 months, we're paying for an apartment in Toronto, Canada, but living in her dad's basement for 18 months because she can't do anything. She'd crawl, literally crawl up the stairs, can't do anything. So I'm there and I couldn't find a church and some people approached me and said, could we start a church? And I said, I've been thinking about it. And so we ended up gathering together. We found a place. We we announced our first service and we we were going to have this. I come home. We we're going to start the next Sunday. It was Saturday night. Of course, you're doing last minute things as a church planner because that's what you're supposed to do. And you you go there and they say, uh, am I, I come home and Jeannie's crying. And the first thing I thought of was like, what did I do? Because that would be the logical thing to ask. What I do? And she's going, she's looking at her Facebook and everybody was posting, say, come, come to this first service and stuff. And she said, there's a church starting tomorrow. And it wouldn't start if you weren't here. And you wouldn't be here unless I got sick. If getting sick started a new church, it was worth it. Now, she did tell me, please, when you tell me that story, say, that's not always how I feel. But at that moment, she did. Well, we ended up, we bought that building. We were only like three weeks old. We bought the building. And so I was walking up the stairs with somebody who was you know, a service worker. And he said, what are you going to do with this building? It was an old bar. And he said, what are you going to do with this building? I said, we're, it's going to be a church. And we we're going up metal stair steps. And I could hear, I could hear every step, you know, clomp, clomp, clomp. And then it stopped. And so I turned around and he's going like, a church. I hope you have a lot of holy water. <laughs> Do you know what this place was? It was a horrible bar. Like horrible things were done, especially up here. That's where we have worship. And so one Sunday, I'm in Canada flying back and forth and stuff. And because um, I had, to, I was still working in Canada, I had, but I had to leave from Colorado to go to Canada every week. And I come back, and so this lady was getting baptized. I hadn't met her, but I was doing the baptism. And after service, I asked her, I said, tell me your story. And she said, right over there in that corner is where I sold drugs. And at that corner, today, I got baptized. Isn't that cool? And we just, the pastor just finished his seminary and we as an elder team um, uh, got together and we prayed over a building that was going to be bigger 
and a better location and gonna come serve them. That's what's happening as a result of problems in our life. What happens? We believe him. All things are possible. Now, let me move on. Power comes through prayer. Verse 8. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And he did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. Thought he was still dreaming. When they passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city and it opened for them of its own accord. And when they went out, they went along one street and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people were expecting. So Herod, Herod was chained. This, here's the trophy of, excuse me, Peter was chained. Herod's Trophy was going to be, and the angel came and said, go. I can't get out. Chains fall off. Mm. He goes past the second guards. I can't get through this big iron gate. Watch me. The doors open. Out he goes. And then he realized that was the Lord. And so it said, Thomas Watson, the Puritan preacher said, it was the angel that fetched Peter out of the prison, but it was prayer that fetched the angel. Peter realized this God's power was working now. Verse 12, he said, he realized he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. So there's a church. They were meeting together. Peter knew where to go. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. And recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. Now, here's what you, here's what you need to realize. Here's, here was the practice. If a guard was guarded, had, you know, their job was to secure this prisoner. Whatever that prisoner, if they let him go, Whatever that prisoner sentence was, the guards had to pay. They were going to kill Peter. And so the guards just lose him. Like, how did he get away? We don't know. How did he get through the gate? We have no clue. But he's gone. And they're going like, you guys are going to die. So they're motivated to go find Peter because they got to get him back and secure him so that they don't lose their life. Okay. You see the intensity here? Now Peter shows up where they're going there, and he knocks on the door. Here comes Rhoda and said, oh, it's Peter, and just leaves him there hanging. And he's going, you know, the guard's looking for him. And he doesn't want to raise a ruckus. Like, you don't shine a light and say, here I am, guards. You're trying to be a little bit stealth. And so he's going, Rhoda, 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 come back. And they go into the go into the disciples and she reported to them. They said, you're out of your mind. Now, what were they there to do? Let's just remind ourselves. What were they there doing? Praying. What were they praying for? The release of Peter from prison. Now, what happened was Peter showed up at their prayer meeting and they told Rhoda what? 
I don't know if that's proper terms to say what you said, but you're out of your mind, at least. That's what scripture, you're out of your mind. She, they thought, what's wrong with her? She's, she's got a fever. She's, something's going on. Something's happening. <laughs> but Peter kept knocking and then they finally opened and they saw him. They were amazed. <gasps> this, this is weird. This is like, Lord, provide for us financially. And, and somebody knocks on the door and said, hey, here's a thousand dollars. What? What? How could this be? You, you prayed? Could that be? So Peter said he motioned with him to be silent because again, they were coming after him and you tell them, here's what the Lord did. And they brought him in the house and, and told the story. So hey, listen, do we have to have enough faith for God to answer our prayers? We're told that. We just got to have more faith. We just got to pray to a holy God who's sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing, who's all over the universe. We need to pray to him, Lord, increase my faith. I, I'm doing it anyway. Provide for us. So it, we have to rest in his care for us in our life. Rest in it. With my wife's chronic uh, health problems with kidneys and she felt terrible 90% of the time. We prayed for healing, sought medicine. We always said, your will be done, Lord, whatever, whatever the reason is. We don't understand, um, but we don't have to understand everything. Paul said, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed in us. And just this week, Wednesday maybe, just this week, for the first time in 10 years, they took her off prednisone. And they said, you're normal. Now, my text back to her when she told me that was, you're normal. Have them call me. I'll give you a second opinion. <laughs> that wasn't the best thing I could say, but it <laughs> She put it in quotes, and so she set me up. It, it was, it's, it's her fault, right? <laughs> and she's got a long way to go still. I'm not feeling well today, uh, especially after she listens to this. Um, I'll not be feeling well either. <laughs> but Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Lord, take this cup away from me. May I not go through this suffering. And Lord said, no, this is my plan for you. We pray with one eye closed in reverence to God and one eye open, waiting for his answer. So how do we see the gospel in this? Simply this. We've got a slide for that. As unbelievers, we're chained to our human condition. We've got the death sentence passed upon us. We're committing a trespass against all, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. We're chained to our human condition. But, but God sent his only son into our dungeon to release us and set us free by taking our punishment for us. We couldn't be set free without the punishment. That would be unjust. 
but somebody had to take the punishment. Jesus took it for us. So no matter what we've done, he can receive you if you believe in him as your savior. And we as believers, when we put our faith and trust in God, we're no longer slaves. It's important to understand. We're no longer slaves. We're not slave to a sin or a fear or anger or an addiction or anything else. We are set free. And there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And we get up and we walk out as free men and women. Is anything too hard for the Lord in your life? You told me at the beginning, no. In what way have we given up? Given up hope. We give up hope because our hope is in us and we know us. We know we're limited. But that problem may be driving you to prayer, prayer to God, and he'll give you the peace and he'll show his power. And that answer may be yes. That answer could be not now. And that answer could be no, because I have a greater work for you. I've got a greater work for you. I was just reading the book of John this week and the story of Lazarus. And Lazarus, of course, was in, he was dead. And they put him into the grave. He was there four days. And he, Jesus finally comes four days later. And his sister, Martha, shows up and meets him there in Bethany and says, where you been? You're four days late. You could have done something. And he said, it's good that Lazarus has been in the grave four days for I'm going to show my glory. Martha's going like, what? I know that you're able, just speak the word and it'll happen. And of course, what he said was, Lazarus, come forth. And that dead Lazarus became alive again. It could be that God is saying no but it's for a greater purpose. It's a greater purpose. We trust him. We don't have to understand everything. I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Father, thank you for your kindness to us, your care for us. And we ask, Father, that you will lead and guide. Move us in our lives and hearts we understand you and believe you. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name.